Welcome to the Leadership Looks Like podcast. I'm your host, Cree Edholm. Sponsored by Leadership Excursion Company and recorded from The Coop, located in Summerlin, Las Vegas. Join us as we explore personal stories of leaders who are making incredible impacts in their businesses, lives, and communities. Get ready to be inspired, see things from a new perspective, and learn new tools to help overcome challenges. This is what leadership looks like. Patty Domingo is a survivor. In this episode, she shares her personal story of what it was like being in an abusive marriage, the moment in time when she knew that enough was enough, and what she does now to advocate for others and live her chosen life. Patty, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here. Well, thank you for inviting me. awesome to be here. Yeah, you know, um, you and I have run into each other just in in networking circles. And I always get a little glimpse into um, you and what you're about. So I'm so excited to learn about that today. Well, thanks. Yes. Um, I'm excited to be here. Woo! Good. (laughs) Now, you grew up on the East Coast. Yes. How long have you lived in Las Vegas? I've been out here for eight years. Okay. So not too long. Almost a native. I wonder uh, I wonder what would make you native, like 10 years or something. I think I'm a native New Yorker. I will always be. <laughs> right. Where did you grow up in New York? I grew up in the Bronx. Mm. We moved out to Westchester, and the last place I lived was Long Island. Okay. Strong Island. Whoa. Yeah, Strong Island. <laughs> yeah, Long Island's beautiful. And yes. uh, I remember the first time I went there, you know, you visit New York City, and you have this picture in your mind, but you just don't realize how... Um, beautiful everything is. Mm. And it's not that far from the city. Yes. Is it it the Long Island train that you hop on, the L-I or something? L-I-double-R. There it is. Yes. Use that lingo. (laughs) L-I-double-R. Yes. Yes. Well, how fascinating. So how did you end up in Las Vegas? Um, It's a story of getting away from someone who was making my life and my children's life kind of horrible. Um, so when you're put in that situation and your life is on the line, uh, you kind of have to get away. Yeah. So. Yeah, and you describe yourself as a survivor and an advocate. And I'm assuming this is related to the story of how you ended up in Las Vegas, correct? That is absolutely the story of how I ended up in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell us about um, this journey that sh- that you went on. So you are living in New York, and you grew up there. Yes. Correct. And um, you're in a turbulent relationship? Um, actually, I was already divorced from this man for yeah. five years. Um, when you're in a relationship with someone and you're in love with that person, you will see past their faults and what's happening in that relationship. So when they're controlling you, you don't realize that that control is there. Um, And you kind of overlook it and you do things to make that person happy, even if it's outside of who you are, you change for that person. Um, when you're being isolated from friends and family uh, and you're in that situation, you don't realize that 
Um, and yet it takes a while to realize that you're better than that and you deserve better. So in my opinion, it's okay to be a strong woman because it happens to strong women. It happens to smart women. It happens to men. <laughs> Non-discriminatory. Yes. Yeah. So we get embarrassed. We don't want to share what's happening to us. Um, but you need to share with somebody. And if that's what's happening, whether it's physical, mental abuse, you have to figure out to get out of that relationship yeah, and do the best for you. Because if you stay in that relationship and you have kids, what's going to happen to your kids? That is going to continue. It's going to be an ongoing thing that's going to pass on through generations. So I figured out a plan of action. And although he kept telling me, uh, I had two children from a previous marriage. Uh, so he said to me, uh, you have four kids. Who's going to want you? Um, no money. You know, what are you going to do? Uh, things, things like that. Accused me of cheating when he was the one that was cheating on me. Whenever I caught him cheating, he'd punch holes in the wall. There was one time when he put a vacuum cleaner cord around me, around my neck. Um, this is things I never shared with anybody. Like in the moment, you mean? Yeah. 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 So was this um, purely emotional abuse that you were experiencing? It was emotional with physical at times. Yeah. And... It wasn't physical all the time. It was just every now and then. Yeah. So, um, you know, before we dive into questions, because I've got some, just some general questions, you know, I think, you know, first of all, we're talking about your story, mm -hmm. you know, and I think it's, this is a really important story for anybody to listen to, um, whether you have been in this type of a situation or not. But just to to understand, but also, um, like you mentioned, you might be in it, but you don't realize it. And I'm just I'm just wondering, you know, what your personal experience experience was and how you personally handled that. This episode is brought to you by Leadership Excursion Company. LeadXCo specializes in leadership training for the hands-on learner. One of their most popular events is Spark Women's Leadership Retreat, an annual event that is all-inclusive. Visit sparkwomensretreat.com for more information. Now, how long did you undergo this abuse? Did it, did it happen um, before you got married, or did it happen after you got married? Did it start? Well... Before I was married, you always put on that happy person face. You're interviewing. So 
I'm interviewing as the perfect person. He's interviewing as the perfect person. Um, you always show that beautiful face. And I don't mean just the outer face. I mean the inner face. Mm-hmm. You just show, oh, I'm just so wonderful. Look at me. I can provide you with this and this and this. And that's what's happening at that interview stage, I will call it. Then after you get married and you're living with each other, uh, you kind of let those guards down. And you kind of, um, I already have that person. I don't need to put up this happy flower stage anymore. Um, and then I forgot the best thing that he was a police officer. I met him as I was, when I was a police officer also, I gave up being a police officer to be with him, which shows you how much control he had over me because I went through the police academy and that is so difficult at the age of 27. I did that for my older two kids so I could have a steady income, a steady job. Um, but then he offered me a life, you know, a house, um, a steady, steady family, you know, that, what is it? Partridge family, you know, (laughs) (laughs) a white picket fence, um, that he was going to take care of me, take care of my kids. Um, and I, you know, kind of bought into that. But how would you know? You know, there, I'm sure that there are people that are going to listen to this and they say, well, you know, my person promised that to me and they gave it to me. Right. You know, how would you even know what you're walking into? There's, there's just no way. Don't know until you're there. Right. And then when you're there in that situation, you don't, you still don't know. It takes a while to realize what's happening and your family will try and tell you, your friends may tell you, but your friends are not, your friends are your friends, but with social, I don't know, with being social friends, your friends will keep back things that they should tell you. Yeah. If you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, I do. You, um, I definitely do because they don't want to overstep their bounds or uh, for whatever reason. You know, well, some, some people will speak up. Some people won't. I'm right. For, it's just the way yeah. nature is. Yeah. I, I mean, um, if somebody's doing you wrong, am I going to be the one that tells you, look, this is what you should do? I mean, I am from New York, but, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do I say, get rid of this man? You know, he's doing wrong by you. But what happens if they stay together? Who's the one that's going to be out of things? Me. Yeah. Because I tried to bring this up to that person. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, uh, yeah, it's, there's so many scenarios scenarios running through my mind. And, um, I mean, that's why it's also this just adds another layer of complexity to this type of a situation. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, 
depending on who's telling you, you're defensive, you're not listening, you're just trying to cope. Oh, yeah. I mean, and you're in survival mode. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, you're not thinking about, you're just thinking about how you're going to get through your day, maybe even your hour. You know, how can you even think ahead, you know, so. And I also need to add that sometimes you create a perfect world. I created a world where I was happy because I had my kids, I had a house, um, and things were okay. You know, I lived out in Long Island. I was with my friends. Everything was good. I'd visit my family out in upstate New York. So it was okay. Did I realize when there were things at the firehouse that I was going with my girlfriend and her husband that I didn't have a husband? So realizing now I was a happily married woman and he was not. He was a single married man. You know, he was that type of person. He was not married to me. Yeah. So. So how long did this go on for how many years? Um, we were married 10 years, um, divorced for five. And you have children together. Two children. And uh, you mentioned early in the podcast, you were married for 10 years, but it sounds like it, it lasted longer than you know, the amount of time that you were married. So at this time you're divorced, were you moved out of the house at this point? He was. He was? He was moved out. He was moved out. And just, you know, again, everybody has their own story, but what was it for you that was just the breaking point that was, you know what, I've got to do something different or, you know, what was it for you? (laughs) Um, I... I am a puzzle person. I put pieces together, and I don't mean physical puzzles, when stories don't match and I try and, like, click them together. I, okay, I did a woman thing or a man thing, an investigator thing. I went into his phone. It was um, key-coded, locked, and I figured out how to get into there, listened to his voice messages, and he had... Uh, messages from at least five or more girls where he was supposed to meet them. Uh, Obviously, he was cheating on me. Uh, Confronted him about them. Um, One was actually a friend of mine who lived down the block. That point, I realized, is this what I want from my life? He has apologized in the past and said he would change Things have not changed. I am better than this. I am worth more. I gave him the opportunity. I said, you choose your family or you get out. And he chose to get out. Yeah. And that's that was, in my heart, it hurt, but it was probably the best thing that he ever did for me. And right now... I want to thank this girl and send her a thank you card. Yeah. Because. Do you thank her or do you warn her? <laughs> That's the question. Right? No. <laughs> She's married to him right now. Yeah. So um, if you think you taking a married man and bringing him into your life, that he's going to be faithful to you, you have another thing coming to you. Mm-hmm. Because 
he's cheated on someone, if you think he's going to be faithful to you and not cheat on you, you are sadly mistaken. Because whatever he did with you, he's going to do with someone else to you. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier too, you know, you're meeting someone and you have, you put on the, your best self, right? Right. The best side of you and you're in a relationship and you're surviving and, you know, you're still trying to be your best self. Um, how do you see through all of that? And, and again, this is, this is your story, but at what point in time, um, were you starting to see the forest through the trees? Um, with him? Yeah. It took me a long time because because of the deep love I had for him and the fact that we had children together. I think when you have children together, you overlook faults and you overlook big, major faults. And there's something called intuition that you, this voice inside your head is telling you, but that story doesn't match. What's happening there? What's, what's, what is that? What is that, that that's happening there? You know, like that voice that just keeps saying, I, I call it, is it the Pinocchio or no, no. Who is, who is the, um, the little uh, cricket? Jiminy Cricket. Oh, Jiminy, Jiminy Cricket. Jiminy Cricket. Yeah. So it's that voice that's telling you what your conscience is telling you the reality. It's telling you to perk up and, you know, like, be aware of these things and you just put it to the side and you don't listen to it. But I had that voice telling me these things and I just kept pushing it to the side and not listening to it. Yeah. But eventually you did. Yes. Eventually you listen. Okay. So there are, um, you know, there are uh, people out there who can help. There are organizations, there are nonprofits, you name it. Uh, it seems like there are just a lot of organizations that, that are out there to help. Now for your story, uh, was it something that, uh, you know, you were able to tap into an organization or was this just something inside of you one day where, where that was, that's where you knew it was enough? There was something inside of me mm -hmm. that I knew it was enough. Um, I have been through other traumas that when you, when with me, when a car accident happened to me. It was at the time when my father was diagnosed with lung cancer. So instead of saying, oh, God, I was in a car accident, I'm going to be out of work, I said, okay, this is great. It's an opportunity for me to spend with my dad. So I turned this around and looked at it as a positive thing. Okay, I'm going to struggle with money. I'm going to struggle with this. But you know what? there's going to be a positive outcome from this. Yeah. <laughs> I just have to figure out what it is. You know, I will find a job. I will find something. And I actually found a position working um, for Medicaid, social services. So there's always going to be a positive outcome when you have these challenges. And I, I don't like to look, of that, look at them as... Um, difficulties, struggles. I want to look at them as challenges because when you have a challenge, there's something that you look at, you look at that as I'm going to get over this challenge. I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to get past it. And 
it's going to be great when I get past it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I just, um, you know, just trying to put myself in your shoes during, during this moment. And how do you see that? How do you even see past the hard life that you're living to know that, and to have that faith to make that jump? Well, of course, um, I'm not superwoman. Yeah. I had those crying days. I had days when I didn't want to get out of bed. Yeah. Um, but when you have a reason to get out of bed, um, when you have children or you make sure that there's a reason to get out of bed, whether it's for your children, for yourself, you find that reason to get out of bed. You find your why and you work towards that why to get yourself motivated and moving. I'm not going to say, oh, I'm wonderful and I got out of bed and I was great. Nope. Nope. I was crying because I had a life with him and I thought, you know, I was going to be married and happy, but it didn't work out that way. Um, and it's not, I mean, my mom and dad were married. They stayed married until my dad passed away. I thought it was going to be like that. My sister, my brother, everyone's married and happy. Well, as happy as you can be married, you yeah, know, yeah. there's struggles. It's difficult. Yeah. Um, but it didn't happen for me, but it's okay to have those bad days. Just remember that it's only a temporary time. Just take it day by day by day. Yeah. Yep. So you uh, ended up in Las Vegas after all this. Was that a just a random thing? Is, is this the job that you just mentioned? Well, um, there's a more in-depth story as to how I ended up in Las Vegas, which it would take up so much time. Gotcha. <laughs> but you're here now. I'm here now. You're here now. You've been here for eight years, yes. if I remember correctly. Eight years. And um, yeah, so this is this is your other life. I mean, this is, yes. you know, after going through all of that. And what has the last eight years been like for you? Um. It's that struggle that I was talking about because um, on top of everything that happened with him, um, there's another part of the story that I haven't told you that um, is even more traumatic. Um, but um, it's that same struggle, getting out of bed, not knowing what to do, not knowing how to get out of bed not having guidance, not knowing what to do to get myself out of traumatic stress and having to do it by myself. Um, so it's the same thing where people think that PTSD is just military. Um, I want everyone out there to know that PTSD is not just military. It's for traumatic stress. Okay. It's car accidents. It's the death, the death of a loved one. It could be, um, 
a criminal action on you. Let's say somebody tries to kill you. So um, just don't believe that it's military-related. Okay. Right. That's why it's it's trauma related. Yes. Right. Yes. So you could even just see something. Yes. And or, or experience something that way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I see. So, um, do did you experience PTSD after after this yeah. these experiences? I should say. Yes. Know? It was a traumatic stress um, that led me to Las Vegas for my safety. Yeah. yeah. And you're here now, and. Um, Things have turned around for you oh. at this point. Oh, yes. Yeah, so describe your life now. Um, my life is about helping other trauma survivors, um, guiding them through fear, anxiety, and depression. That way they're able to regain control of their lives, um, become stronger emotionally, and be able to face the world. Yeah. Yeah, and um, the reason why I'm doing that is because of what happened to me, and it took so long. I want them to go through the traumatic stress without reaching post-traumatic stress disorder. So it doesn't have to reach PTSD as long as you get help right away. So um, recognizing the symptoms and then getting assistance right away. Yeah. And I'm just thinking about your personal story and how, um, you know, you were kind of in it by yourself. Yes. So how do you, now that you're an advocate, how do you reach women who were in a similar situation that you were that uh, maybe didn't have access to help or didn't know where to go or, you know, whatever that their situation might be? Well, that's why I'm going out and speaking. Yeah. Um, I know it's difficult for women to speak out on their situation. And as I'm speaking more, women are coming up to me, men are coming up to me, because it's not just related to women. Mm -hmm. They're explaining their stories. They're thanking me for coming out and telling my story. Um, and that's what I'm doing. I'm speaking about it. I'm letting people know, trauma survivors know that it's not, it's not okay to be a secret. It's okay to tell your story. It's okay to share. Okay. Um, and it's okay for them. I, I will, I'm there. You know, I want them to know that the faster you move and get it out, the faster you will get out of your, your line, your, your, um, the post-traumatic, the stress. You got to move and figure out what works for you to get it out of your nerves, your whole system, so that the fight or flight doesn't stay within you. Yeah. How did you um, realize that whatever you were experiencing was PTSD so that you could then turn around and help others? Well, I had an anxiety attack. I was just crying and, and just couldn't breathe. And because of um, someone who was a psychotherapist, she realized, well, she, <laughs> that's her field. Mm -hmm. She explained to me what was happening, and that's how I knew, because I had never experienced anxiety like that. 
I was hyperventilating. Um, and I didn't realize my trigger was um, police cars and lights on the side of the road. So that just sparked me right away. Yeah. So you had to figure that out. Yes. What your trigger was. Yes. Yeah. And then how to, um, you know, how to cope afterwards. Yes. During and after. Yes. Yeah. And when you uh, moved to Las Vegas, did you seek help to, for yourself or? Yes. Okay. So you you wouldn't seek help. Um, Similar to your story. So you speak to groups of people. Is that what you're doing now? Yes. Okay. Yes. And do you have your own business or do you represent yourself or do you work with an organization or an agency or anything? Well, right now it's my own business. I'm looking to reach out to anybody um, that trauma survivors that are in need of assistance, um, reaching out to casinos, especially with Route 91 that just happened. Um, and and for the listeners, that was the um, that was the shooting that happened in Las Vegas on October first, yes, twenty seventeen. Yes, yeah. There were a lot of assistance at the um, right after, but now um, I think it's been forgotten from the minds of um, everyone. Um, maybe not so much everyone, but as days go by, you kind of forget and move on with your life. But they don't move on with their lives because it's still, it's still embedded. In yeah. And maybe they don't know what their trigger is. Right. Maybe it, you're not sure when it's going to reappear. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it's something that they're living with and they're going to live with. And it's just a matter of realizing, understanding and controlling it because that's the biggest, that's the biggest thing that happens. You lose control of your life that control was taken away from you. Yeah. Yeah. Are you extra protective of that now? Of control? Oh, I was, I'm always a control freak. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And what does an engagement look like? So you are speaking at an event and you're telling, are you telling your story? Is that yes. how it works? So, so you're telling your story and, and walk us through, you know, what happens when you're telling your story um, afterwards? Do people come up and ask you questions? You know, lead, lead us through what that looks like. Well, yes, they'll ask me questions. Mostly they share their story with me. Mm-hmm. And um, then it just is kind of, um, it's a relief to them to realize that they're not alone. Yeah. Um, and what what happens to them is just that, that um, feeling of, I'm not alone. Um, it's happened to someone else. And then you get that camaraderie, that um, feeling, that group feeling that it's happened to someone else and look at them. It, it's taken me a long time to get to this point where I can smile. I can, I can be, I can be in this moment. And I realize that it's okay for me to have sad days sometimes but I'm going to get back up from those sad days and letting someone know that it's okay to have those sad days and you're going to be okay. You're going to get back up again. Yeah. Yeah. So after um, you speak to a group, people will come up and talk to you. Yes. And then what happens after that? Oh, I'll I'll give them my information. Mm -hmm. I'll lead them to my Facebook page and then they'll contact me and we'll, um, 
have a free consultation. Um, so, so then from there you, you help them work through yes. whatever their challenge might be. Right. Either right. a consultation, um, a keynote speaker, whatever it is that, um, I'd have to find out if I would be able to work with them depending on, um, you know, the severity, what it is that they're looking for, because, um, you have to be able and willing to, I am accountable to them, but they are accountable to themselves, you know? So as, as, as it happened with me, I had to do the work, mm-hmm. you know, I can say and as much as I want, but if I don't do the work, I will never be healed. Right. You know, so it's always the first step to healing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any type of a credential or, uh, you know, for, for lack of a better term to, to help, um, people who may have PTSD? Well, I, I have life credentials. I am never, I would never say I am a therapist. I always include some, them making an appointment to see a therapist. Gotcha. That is part of the criteria they would need to set up an appointment with a therapist. Okay. And then do you ever work hand in hand with a therapist if, if yes. your client is comfortable with that? Yes. I know there's certain protections that come along with Absolutely. You know, working with a doctor. Yes. So you're with them to share your personal story, which is so important because you know exactly how they feel, right? Oh, yes. Yes. You, know, you can put yourself in, in their shoes and, and really helping them. Can you talk about a success story for you of a client that you've had? Um, well, there are a few clients that I'm working with, um, and it's just the success is the one-on-one bonding with them and realizing when they say, yes, I, I, I did this by myself. I, I just, you know, simple things like, um, okay, it, for, I'm not going to say normal people, but for someone who has not undergone traumatic stress, simple things are difficult for us when you're in the heat of the moment. So doing something like making a phone call to set up an appointment for a doctor, a therapist, is difficult. Okay, so I, I I received a call the other day from someone who made that appointment without me. After I said, I will set up that appointment with you. I will be there with you to make that appointment. She called me back and said, I'm going to my first appointment. I made it. So it may not sound like a big deal, but for that person who I gave the information to and I was supporting her, to do this, it was a big deal for her. So I said, write that in your journal because that is a major step. She couldn't think of anything to write in her journal for happiness, for what she's done that was great. And she's like, oh my God, you're right. So that is... For me, that was a proud mama's moment. Right, you know? yeah, and you're just helping to fill that gap, that scary gap, right? Yes. Of um, it's, it's a tough phone call to make, I'm sure, to call. Yeah. It's like you're making it official. Yes. Realizing that you need that help and then taking that step to getting that help. 
Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So what drives you to continue doing this now? Well, when I'm doing this, it makes me realize that I'm, it's like when you're volunteering, you forget about what's happening to you. So this is the same feeling that I get when I'm lifting someone else up and knowing that they're getting better and that they're improving, that makes me feel good because that's, it's just an awesome feeling knowing that I'm, I'm doing that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's someone's life. Yeah. They're getting better. Yeah. And I always think about it this way too. What's going through my mind now is, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And sometimes, um, you know, you're in something and you might not know it's right or wrong or whatever it is. You might have those feelings that you're talking about, you know, where you're seeing the signs, but how do you connect those dots? And until you hear someone else's story or are able to make a connection with somebody else who might have a similar story, then and only then can you really be sure that it's either right or wrong. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So such important work to help make those connections. Yeah. Um, I, I can you know, I can imagine that that you're just helping so many people and it's fantastic. Well, thank you. You know. Um, for you personally, what is your definition of leadership? Huh. Leadership. That is a good one. <laughs> leadership is bringing people together with the knowledge that you have to achieve a goal. Now, leadership does not necessarily mean that you have to have all the knowledge. You're bringing together people that have the knowledge and making them a team. So, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. And um, I, my, my theory of a leader, you're accepting the knowledge that you don't know everything and that you're willing to get people that are the best at what they know and bringing them into your team and bringing them into your group. Yeah. Do you consider yourself to be a leader? I I do. I always acknowledge when I don't know something. Right. <laughs> you are um, you fall in line with your definition now. Then that's that's good. Yeah. Um how for you for self-care, you know, what do you do cuz this is so heavy and for from my perspective, it's just so heavy. So how do you take care of yourself? Huh. Um, that's, that's a good one. Um, I'm usually, I'm the type of person that takes care of others. So what do I do? Um, I, I like massages. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Um, pampering myself with a manicure and a pedicure, um, making myself look beautiful, like hair coloring because I was gray since I'm 17 and, um, just doing that kind of pampering, you know? Yeah. So, um, 
I don't know. I'm kind of like a girly girl that likes to spoil myself that way. And spending time with my my two children, well, they're not children, 20-year-old and 22. But they're your kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They'll always be your kids. Um, when I spend time with them, kind of date nights with my son and my daughter, and when I go back east with my grandchildren, um, oh, yeah, with my grandsons, I um, do video chats with them. So that's that's a pampering to me because yeah. I love – just absorbing their energy when they say Grammy, Grammy. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. And <laughs> uh, when you're do when you are scheduling time for you, whatever that looks like, um, does it come naturally, or is it something that that you really have to go? You know what? I I've got to take care of myself now. It's I uh, have to take care of myself now. I doesn't it doesn't come naturally, and that's what I need to practice more making sure that I make time for myself because when you're working like you, when you're working, 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 keeping busy, um, trying to schedule everything that you want to do because you probably are the same way you want to do everything, but there's only so much time you need to make sure that you make time for yourself because otherwise you're not going to be good for anyone else. Yeah. It's so true. Yep. And it is very hard. Yes. Yes. Um, do you, are you a book reader, podcast, listen to podcasts, anything like that? I listen to a lot of um, learning things in the car when I'm driving, mm-hmm. um, on the computer. I My eyesight is going. I have those reading glasses. So. Yeah, yeah. Hey, whatever works. I'd rather them read to me than... Yeah. yeah so. Okay. And what drives you now? I, my deep desire to succeed and show my children, my young adults, that mama's going to make it and I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Is it a, is it still a challenge for you? Um, yeah. Yeah. Every day is a challenge. I believe that if you don't have challenges, then you're not really living. Okay. Yeah. Um, what's your biggest challenge right now? My biggest challenge? Um, that my kids are leaving. Um, I don't see them as often. And they're uh, leaving because they're just getting older? Yeah. And they have their own families now? Is that what's happening? Well, not they're They're 20. She's going to college. Okay. She's working. Big milestones. Yeah. yeah. And my son is 22. He's got a girlfriend. He's working. He has his own business. So I don't see them as often. We're always on our own path. So um, that's my challenge. Sometimes the house is kind of empty. Yeah. And how do I deal with that? Now, do I go off cruising and, you know, live my own life? You know, how do I focus on that? Yeah. What are you going to do? I don't know. I'm still figuring that out. I'm buying my own island. There you go. There you go. That's, That's fantastic. I like that. Okay. So advice to anybody who, um, is in a difficult situation and they just don't know how to get out of it. Um, what would, what, if you could just plop yourself right into the middle of that and tell them something, what would you say? I would advise them to 
write down on a piece of paper what the problem is and really, really, really write down and really um, brain, brain drop, um, mental drop, whatever it is, and then seek out the advice of somebody that they really trust. And if they don't want to burden that person, then maybe talk to a therapist. Um, but if it's really, really a struggle and severe, they need to talk to someone and they need to get out. And especially if there's physical abuse. Now, mental abuse is a little bit more difficult to realize and come to come to a realization that it's happening. But um, they they if they're even thinking that there is maybe something going on, something wrong, then they they really need to speak to someone because there is a struggle. There's something going on. Yeah. So that that's my advice. Yeah. Yeah, that's good advice. Listen, Patty, thank you so much for coming in today and sharing your story. Um, you're helping so many people. Oh, thanks. And, um, you know, sharing personal stories like these. I'm a big believer that uh, it's courageous, first of all. It's not always easy to tell your story, but it's going to help someone, well, someone out there. Yeah, that's what I believe. Everyone has a story to tell, and um, share your story. And thank you for listening to everybody and accepting these stories. <laughs> not a problem at all. Thanks again, Patty. Yeah, thanks. For more information about Patty, you can find her on Facebook. Link is in the show notes. Thanks as always for tuning in. If you have any questions or comments about today's episode, visit the Leadership Looks Like Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. Leadership Looks Like is a podcast dedicated to leaders everywhere. Our mission is to show that leaders come from all different backgrounds, ages, colors, shapes, and sizes. For more information about our project or to become a contributor, visit leadershiplookslike.org. Sign up for Fresh Start Mondays and get access to free leadership tips delivered to your inbox every Monday. To subscribe, visit leadershipexcursion.co forward slash subscribe. And finally, The Coop, Las Vegas' newest co-working location with a focus on community and collaboration. If you're a small business owner looking for office space and amenities and would like to be located in Summerlin, visit thecoopcowork.com. Until next time, continue to inspire and support one another through effective leadership. I'm your host, Cree Edholm. See you again next week.